to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, open it up or turn it on to Ephesians chapter 4. If you're of the digital variety, you can turn it on to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to continue a series that we've been in for a number of weeks now that we are calling Inspire. And uh, we're talking about spiritual gifts. And really, uh, the big idea of this series is that the church, we as the church, should be the most inspired place on earth, that, that when people come in, there shouldn't be a heaviness, that, that there shouldn't be kind of a, a cloud over us, but that we should live with this sense of inspiration in everything that we do. And ultimately, uh, that's because inspiration is about a lot more than just kind of getting hyped up. In fact, the word inspire, the root word is inspire, which means to be in the spirit, and so I couldn't think of a better day or a better topic for this uh, message on inspiration than Pentecost Sunday, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, and so that's our goal in this series. And so I'm going to continue that. We're just talking about spiritual gifts. And uh, if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 7, I'm going to read through, I think, verse 13. Ephesians chapter, uh, did I say chapter 7? Chapter 4. There's a lot going on in this mind today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to read verse 7. It says this, but to each one of us, who, who does that include? All y'all, right? Each one of us. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, let me just give you a little explanation of what's happening here. Paul, uh, the apostle, is speaking to this church in Ephesus, and he's talking to them about the grace of God, the goodness of God, and, and he says that each one of us has received grace. And oftentimes, when we think about grace, we just think of you know, a, a free ticket, a free, you know, get out of hell ticket, right? We're, we're going to heaven, and we're so glad for that, and, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But Paul actually is talking about grace in a much greater way than that. And so he actually takes a verse out of Psalms that the original verse in Psalms says, he ascended on high, speaking of Jesus, he ascended on high and led captivity captive. And Psalms says, and he received gifts from men. But DJ Paul is dropping a remix here, and he, he turns it around, and he doesn't say he ascended on high and received gifts from men. He says he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. Paul wants us to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just get out of hell free. I mean, if that's all it was, that's enough to like dance the aisles you know, shout hallelujah. That's enough to like live inspired for the rest of your life. But it's about a lot more than that. It is, it is that God wants to give every single one of us who is a follower of Jesus gifts that would cause us not just to go to heaven when we die, but that would receive the life of heaven here on earth. And so he says, he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. 
Now this, uh, he ascended, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He descend, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all things. Listen to this, that he might fill, do we have the scripture? We don't have the scripture up there. I'm sure they're working on it back there. That he might fill, if you ha- that's why it's always good to bring your Bible to church, right? It's always good. We're just testing, thank you, Gabriel, for allowing us to test and see who's bringing their Bible to church. So, verse 10 says this, He who descended is also the one who ascended, read along with me, far above all things that he might, or far above the heavens, listen to this last phrase, that he might fill, what does it say? All things. Let's keep reading. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The, the equipping of the saints. Who qualifies as the saints? Again, all y'all, okay? Equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Father, we thank you today for your word. We ask, Lord, that you would come, Holy Spirit, as you already are here. We ask for your anointing upon me, upon every person to hear and to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul here is, he he lists in Ephesians 4.11 some of the greatest or most prominent gifts that he gives to the church, but I, I want to focus for just a moment on that phrase in verse 10 that we read together that says, that he might fill all things. That he might fill all things. We're going to get to the gifts in just a moment, but I, I want to take just a moment and hopefully expand your vision about what God's plan is for the church. If someone were to ask you, what is church? You don't have to say it out loud, but I I want you to just think about what would your response be? Probably for many of us, we would say, oh, it's a group that gets together at the museum on Sundays from 10 to, if we're lucky, 1130, sometimes closer to 1145, right? That that may be what you would say. You you may think about, we sing some songs together, we, we hear a talk, we pray together, and all of those things are true, but here's the challenge. Oftentimes, we minimize God's vision for the church. We, we shrink it down to the lowest common denominator, and we think, well, it's just a group of people that meet in a little room, and it fills about an hour and a half on a Sunday. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the church And God's plan for the church is to fill all things. What is included in all things? All things. And so God's purpose for the church is not just the museum on Sunday mornings for an hour and a half. God's purpose for the church plays out in your workplace during the week. It plays out in your home Even on the evenings when you're tired and trying to get the kids in bed, God's purpose is for that moment too. God's purpose is for your relationships and for your friendships. His purpose is for for his kingdom to fill all things, for his presence to fill 
all things. Ephesians 1 verse 23 says it this way, or verse 22 says, He put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, the head, or gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now that's a mind-blowing idea that God's plan is that the church is the body of Christ and that through the church he would fill all things. This is what the Bible refers to as the kingdom of God. God's plan is not to just have a few people that get together on Sundays and try to keep their faith intact during the week so that one day they can make it into heaven when they die. God's plan is much bigger than that. It is for the kingdom of God to come to earth. Every kingdom or every king's goal is for his kingdom to expand. That's God's goal is for his kingdom to expand. As Abraham Kuyper, the theologian, said, there is not one square inch in all of creation over which Jesus Christ does not cry, mine. That's the word of kingdom. That is mine. And God wants everything in our lives to come under his lordship. Now, you may think that that kind of sounds like, you know, that's egotistical, but the reality is every single one of us wants to expand our kingdom. Uh, the kingdom is the effective sphere of your will, and every one of us wants to expand our kingdom. If you don't believe me, just go into our little one's room today. You will see the, the clash of kingdoms in that moment. And God's plan is for his kingdom to expand on the earth through the church. Now, there are two ways to expand a kingdom or two ways that, that I want to draw your attention to. One is, is through exile. That is, you go in, you take people from another place, and you bring them into your place, and you teach them your ways, and you, you teach them your customs. And that's one way, but another way is, is through colonization. And colonization is not where you bring people out of their place. It's when you send your people into that place, and they set up a colony as a little, uh, a little outpost of your culture in that place, right? I know when we hear that, we think of you know, imperialism, and we think of colonization and all of those things. Certainly, there has been some uh, evils committed under that name, but the reality is, is that this theme dominates everything we do. Anybody in business here? What is your goal for the business? To expand. There you go. Expand, right? Expansion, right? And uh, just think with me for, about some businesses for just a moment to get this concept uh, of kingdom. Anybody ever been into a place called Starbucks? <laughs> forgive you. We forgive you. Yes, you've been, we've been into Starbucks before. And uh, what is Starbucks' goal? It is to fill the earth right? It is. Have you ever been to, you know, cities where it's like, I am literally seeing three Starbucks from this very point right here, right? I mean, their goal is to literally fill the earth, that the knowledge of burnt coffee, I mean, dark roast coffee <laughs> would cover the earth, right? That is their goal. And there is, but it's not really even about coffee. Here's what I want you to understand. People knew coffee before Starbucks, right? 
What, what was Starbucks' product? It was not coffee, it was culture. Starbucks took this coffee house culture, actually inspired out of Italy, and they developed it in Seattle in a little shop in the Pike Place Market in Seattle. And then Howard Schultz got the idea that this would go everywhere. And so he started taking that little bit of culture and he began taking it and exporting it around the world so that you can go today into uh, Shanghai, China, or you can go into Shreveport, Louisiana, and you get a little bit of Seattle in that place, right? As it is in Seattle, so let it be in Shanghai, right? That is their goal, to fill the earth. I'll give you another illustration of culture. We're thinking about cultivation or the expansion of culture. Anybody ever been to Cracker Barrel? Come on, yeah. Who loves some Cracker Barrel? You just be honest. The country boy breakfast, baby. That's what I'm talking about, right? Now, when you go into Cracker Barrel... It's like going to your grandparents' house, isn't it? Like when I was a kid, I literally thought the man sitting by the barrel on the logo, I thought it was my grandfather. I kid you not. And it's amazing when you go in, it's like every person there, it is, I mean, the, the average age is like, you know, grandparent age, right? And uh, so you go in and what is that? It's the, it's the development of culture, right? They have created a culture that is attractive to people. And here's what I want you to understand is that God's plan for the church is not just that we would come together for an hour and a half once a week and get a little spiritual pick-me-up just so that you can make it through the week. God's plan is that we would be a colony of heaven on earth. That when people walk in, it wouldn't be, this feels like Seattle or this feels like grandma's house. They would say, this feels like heaven on earth. This is, this is what heaven would be like in this place. We live in a world that is, that is dark and is under bondage and, and is heavy. But when you come into the church, there's joy and there's lightness and there's peace and there's, there, there's a... There, there's a just a, a joy in the atmosphere, right? Why is that? Because it's God's plan that the church would fill all in all. That's his plan for the church. Now, how is he going to do that? He goes on to tell us that he might fill all things, verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The way that God's kingdom will expand on the earth is through every single person stepping into their God-given calling. Their God-given ministry. What is an ambassador of, a, of another government called? They're often called a minister, Right? And every single one of us, you may not have a reverend in front of your name, but let me tell you, it's not in the Bible anyway, okay? Uh, you may not have a diploma on your wall that, that gives you some sort of credential. Again, not in the Bible anyway, okay? So I'm just wanting to commission you today into ministry to be released to bring heaven into earth, to bring the kingdom of God into every sphere that you're in, okay? 
All right. Now we're going to talk about some practicalities, all right? We're going to talk about some of these gifts. And uh, if you're new to church, this may feel today a little technical, okay? This may feel like looking under the hood of the church because oftentimes uh, we, you know, church can be like a car. Uh, For me, I love to drive a car. I just have no idea how it works, right? I get in, I turn the key, and I put gas in it, and somehow it just goes from here to there, right? Yeah, that's the goal, right? But anybody else here like me? Yeah? How many of you actually know what happens in there that you put that go juice in, how it actually turns? Some of you know. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know, but I'm so glad that some people do know. And so we're, we're going to go there today. We're going to look under the hood of the church because if we don't know how the church is designed by God, we'll never know how do we develop the church that God's intending us to be, and we'll also never know how to fix it if it's broken, okay? And so we're going to look at these gifts. I want to talk to you today about three gifts, the gift of apostle, the gift of evangelist, and the gift of pastor. Now, again, you've probably never heard a talk on these gifts before, but hopefully you have experience. In fact, the, the, the fact that you're sitting here today, you have benefited from these gifts, okay? And so, again, this is a little technical, a little behind the scenes, but it's important for where I believe God wants to take us as a church. So I want to look at this gift, the gift of apostle. Who's ever heard that word before, apostle? Who knows what that word means? So, few of us know what it means, okay? So I just want to kind of look at that a little bit. The word apostle is from the Greek word apostolos, which means a sent one. It is a, literally, it would be like an admiral on a ship that was sent out by a government as an emissary of that government to carry out a mission in a foreign land. That would be an apostolos, okay? And the Bible says that God has given apostles to the church. Now, there are some people that would hear that, and they would say, nope, there is no such thing as apostles today. There was 12 apostles, and there cannot be any more apostles today. Now, there's a lot that we could say about that, but let me just give you a little bit of understanding on where that confusion comes from. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to a misdefinition of what an apostle is because they will, the people that would say that this gift is not in function today in the church or does not exist in the church today, uh, they would base it on the idea that there were 12 apostles called by Jesus and one of their marks was that they wrote Scripture. And so they would say, now that we have the New Testament, we no longer need the gift of apostles. The only problem with that is the the misdefinition because not all of the apostles wrote Scripture, right? Anybody seen the book by Simon? No, he didn't write any Scripture. And not only that, but not everybody that wrote Scripture was an apostle. In fact, the man that wrote the the most... uh, content in the New Testament was Luke, who was not an apostle. And so they come up with that misdefinition. They would say the apostles wrote Scripture, and because now we have the full New Testament, we no longer need apostles. But it's a misdefinition of apostles. Not only that, but the Bible also specifically names other apostles. 
It, it actually gives the names of other apostles beyond the twelve. And not only that, but here this passage we just read said that God has given apostles, and it goes on to say, for the equipping of the saints till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Which begs the question, are we there yet? Are we perfect? Are we the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ? No, and so he says he gives apostles until that happens. Okay, so the reasons that people use to, uh, to, to dismiss the gift of the apostle are ultimately unfounded in the Scripture. Now, let me explain to you why this gift is important, because ultimately the, the apostolic gift brings the missionary focus to the church. It puts the church on mission. Let's put up the, the definition of, the, of apostleship, and uh, we'll just look at what an apostle is. Apostleship is the special ability. Do we have that? The special ability, there we go, given to some members of the, of the body of Christ to assume and exercise divinely imparted authority in order to establish foundational government of an assigned sphere of ministry within the church. An apostle hears from the Holy Spirit and sets things in order for the church's health, growth, maturity, and expansion. And so there's, there's a few things in that that are critically important. One is the understanding that the apostle lays foundations. Somebody asked me the other day, how do you start a church? And, which is a, a really good question. And there's actually training camps and things to tell you how to start a church. And normally they'll tell you things like you got to send out a mailer. And uh, here's the design of the mailer. And you got to get a really cool venue and it's got to have good parking. You got to have good kid space and you got to have, you know, a, a nice lobby and accessibility. And all of those things are true and good ideas. But they are more, uh, they are part of the facade rather than the foundation. Okay? They are. They are outward-facing things rather than foundational things. And part of the apostle's role is to lay a foundation. Those things, again, are, are good things, but they are not sufficient things. You can send out a mailer. You can, you can uh, have a nice lobby. You can do all of those things. And you may be a hotel, but you may not be a church, right? The, what I'm saying is there is a spiritual foundation that has to be laid for the church. And it is the apostle's role to lay the foundation. Practically speaking, that means teaching people what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of the church, the grace of God, the lordship of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that Oftentimes, people don't come to church looking for those things, but if they are not there, everything else is built on a shaky foundation. It's kind of like house shopping. You can look for a house where, you know, it's got granite countertops, and it's got an open floor plan, and it's got, you know, a certain number of bedrooms and bathrooms and all of that stuff. Very few people, uh, you know, show up to a house and go, I just want a really strong foundation, right? I'm looking for a great foundation. But you can have all the granite and everything else, but if it's on a shaky foundation, ultimately it will not last. 
Anybody ever seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa or a photo of it? Uh, Is it ironic that that is actually the two buildings in the world that lean the most are parts of church buildings? Is it any irony? And the problem with both of them is uh, in the foundation. There was not a strong enough foundation. And part of the apostles' role is to lay the foundation for the church, that there's a strong foundation, no leaning structures in the church. Paul said it this way, I laid the foundation as a wise and master builder. The foundation of a church matters. It's kind of, this is a similar role to perhaps we would say the founding fathers of America. The founding fathers of America did not They didn't lay out everything for the future of the nation, right? I mean, they didn't say your trash collection shall be on this day and, you know, this is, you can water your grass on that day. They did not say that, but they did establish the guiding principles in the Constitution and the form of government so that as we grow, we would grow in line with those, that strong foundation, right? And the same is true of an apostle. He lays the foundation for the church. If you walk into a church and nobody's friendly, it may not just be because nobody's friendly. It may be because there's a bad foundation in the church. They've not been taught about the love of God. They've not been taught that that, that we're accepted by the grace of God. And so you show up years later, you you see the cracks in the structure, but the problem is in the foundation. And that's part of the role of an apostle is to lay a strong foundation for the church. It's the definition of an apostle. So how do you know if you have the gift of apostleship? Well, apostles have vision for kingdom expansion. Apostles are always thinking beyond where they're currently at. They're always looking to expand. It's kind of like an entrepreneur in business. You know, there are some people that come in and they get things started. They have the vision for the culture and and the product and they get things started. But how many of you know, if they were the ones that stayed with it, it would kill them and kill the business, right? There are entrepreneurs and then there are managers. And the same is true. An apostle is a, a spiritual entrepreneur that goes in and lays the foundation for the church. So if you have this gift of apostleship, you're always thinking of expansion, If you have the gift of apostleship, you want to chart new territory. You want to go into new places. Paul said it this way, I want to preach the gospel where the gospel's never been preached before. If you have that apostolic gifting, you're you're wanting to move out to expand the kingdom of God. If you have the apostolic gifting, you have a high tolerance for cultural discomfort. Just like in business, there are some people that They want order, they want policies, they want procedures, they want the handbook, they're reading it. Anybody you're like that? You read the handbook? Entrepreneurs are like, I don't need a handbook. Handbooks are constraining, right? I I just want to go blaze the trail. That's that's the the, uh, part of an apostolic leader is that they have a high tolerance for cultural discomfort, They're okay to go places where there's no church structure in place, and they blaze the trail and build the church from the ground up. An apostolic gift also draws in and raises up other leaders. 
That's part of the mark of an apostolic leader is because you're going into new places, you can't just depend on the leaders that are already there. And so you, if you have an apostolic gift, you will begin to raise up other leaders. You will begin to train people because ultimately an apostle lays the foundation and then moves on. And so as you raise up other people, apostolic leaders will create a relational sphere of influence. There will be people that will begin to look to apostolic leaders as a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. Why? Because they raise them up in God. They train them. Like Paul said of Timothy when he called him my true son in the faith. And so apostles will lay the foundation and then they will move on. So if you find yourself wanting to go, you find yourself wanting to be out on the edge of what God's doing, you feel like, man, this is too, uh, you know, too settled, too corporate. Perhaps you have the gift of an apostle. And so if you have this gift, how do you develop this gift? I, I think one thing is, uh, first of all, you don't have to call yourself an apostle, okay? Don't call yourself an apostle. The Bible says that, that a man's gift or a woman's gift makes room for them, okay? So if you have this apostolic gift, you will just start things. You'll just build things. You'll just blaze the trail where other people haven't gone before. And so if you have the gift of apostleship, just get out there and do it. Get out there and build something. That may be building a ministry. That may be starting a connect group. That may be, you know, blazing a trail where it's not currently happening. Maybe for you that would be running alpha in your neighborhood. Maybe for you that would be helping us start a youth ministry because we don't yet have a youth ministry and you want to start something where there's not currently anything. Amen? I think of my friend, a, a great hero to me, a guy named Paul I, who was a leader in the, uh, a leader in the, the church in Vietnam. And he got saved and he had this gift of apostleship. And everywhere he went, he just kind of started churches on accident. Uh, and, and so the government in, in Vietnam, they didn't like him and they ended up putting him in prison. And what happened when they put him in prison? He just started a church in prison. And so they said, well, you know, he can't even make it in prison, in, in the regular prison. We're going to put him in the women's prison. Surely that will, he, that will not go well for him. But what happened, he went into the women's prison and started a church in there and raised up a church in the women's prison. Why? Because he just had this apostolic gift to break things open where no one else had ever been able to break things open. That's the gift of an apostle. Ultimately, the government paid for him to leave Vietnam. They said it's cheaper for us to send him to the States than it is to keep him in Vietnam. And so he's come here to the States so that he can raise up Vietnamese missionaries here and send them back. That's the apostolic gift. Come on. And so if you have this gift, get out on mission. Go somewhere. Get out of predictable, normal, average, laissez-faire churchianity. Get on the edge of the kingdom of God. If you have this gift, go on a missions trip overseas. Maybe you just feel that stirring in your heart. There's something that happens when you get out of just 
the same old, same old that will cause the gifts within you to come alive. So I want to encourage you, if you have that gift, step out. Now here's a danger. If you have this danger, what's a, a danger that you face if you have the gift of apostleship? One thing is, if you are an apostle, you're a big picture thinker. You always live at 30,000 feet. And as a result, you can frustrate people that are like in the details. Anybody know somebody like that? They're just vision all the time. They're changing the world. They're going to go, you know, maybe it's in, in church things. It's to, you know, in, in, they're going to go to the nations or maybe it's in, uh, you know, just vision of their own life. They're always this big picture. And you're like, and what's the plan? How are you going to do that? Well, let me say this. We need both. If all you have is the plan, you will like, you know, it's paralysis by analysis, right? There's got to be some vision, but one of the dangers of this apostolic gift is that you can get caught only at 30,000 feet when we need to be connected to other gifts. So you need, if you have this apostolic gift, you need to be connected to other people. Another danger is that, and part of the reason the gift of apostleship has been rejected is because some people in authority, uh, you know, are heavy-handed in their authority. And, and so if you have the gift of apostleship, Paul said this, that he was the least of these. If you have the gift of apostleship, you're, it's, you're not the CEO of the church. Jesus is the CEO of the church. Okay, you are, a, you, you are digging out the foundation. You're down in the dirt, building something up so that other people can move forward in God. Now, for every single one of us, I've said this, what we don't do out of gifting, we are called to do out of discipline. And so you may not have the apostolic gift. You may be the, the planner. You may be the, the gift of helps. You may be in some other gifting. But every one of us, even if we don't have the gift of apostleship, we are all called to live sent. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so even if you wouldn't call yourself an apostle, you have the responsibility that everywhere we go, we are called to be an apostolic people. That means you don't just go to Publix. You go to Publix on mission. You don't just go to or Trader Joe's. You don't just go there. You go there on Mission, we are living our lives everywhere we go, bringing the kingdom of God into the world. We're all called to live sent. That's the gift of apostleship. God wants us, us as a church here at One Church Park District to be an apostolic people. I believe that God wants us, even as we've established a church community here, now we've established a team of elders and we're raising up even more leaders here, I believe ultimately God wants us to strengthen this as a base so that we could send others out to other places. God's purpose is not just get bigger, 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 bigger. It's for us to send people out. And so some of you, God may call you out to go plant other churches. God may call some of you as missionaries overseas. God may call some of you to start a, a Bible study or an alpha in your neighborhood. Why? Because we are an apostolic people. Why? Because Jesus is an apostle. He's expanding his kingdom. So the gift of apostleship is always about expansion. Now I want to look at the gift of evangelists. The Bible says he gave apostles and prophets. We'll look at prophets in a couple of weeks. But the gift of an evangelist. 
what is the gift of an evangelist? Is an evangelist a traveling speaker that just kind of goes around and visits churches? Well, perhaps that person may be an evangelist, but an evangelist is actually something much more than that. The root word for evangelist is euangelion, and it means to announce good news. And so at its root, the gift of evangelism is about announcing the good news of God's kingdom. Sometimes we do uh, servant outreaches, and that's a great thing, or, or, or community service projects. Those are great, great things. But ultimately, that is not evangelism because evangelism, although it can be paired with that, evangelism requires the announcement of the good news. That through Jesus Christ, that your sins can be forgiven, that you have hope for eternity and can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to live life here and now. And so the evangelist is all about announcing the good news of God's kingdom. And evangelism is, by definition, it is a special ability that God gives to certain members to communicate the gospel to unbelievers in a clear and compelling way in order to become followers of Jesus. Let's put that evangelist diagram or that, that table up. It's a special ability that God gives. Now, we're all called to do this, but there are some people that just have a gift with it. Anybody ever seen somebody like that? Um, I know oftentimes we think of um, Billy Graham as the quintessential evangelist, and he certainly was. God used him in a powerful, powerful way. But not every person who is an evangelist will fill a stadium. Some of us have uh, are called to share the gospel in our neighborhood or with a coworker. My grandmother, uh, my mom's mom, is one of the greatest evangelists that I've ever known. Everywhere she goes, she's telling people about Jesus. In fact, one time uh, we took a road trip with her from Florida to Virginia, and we just counted on the road trip how many people did she share the gospel with and lead them to Jesus along the way. And I think it was something like eight people. I mean, that like... That's more than one person every hundred miles. Like she's leading people to Jesus faster than I even have to go to the bathroom on a road trip. You know what I'm saying? What is that? It's the gift of an evangelist. So all of us are called to share the gospel, but if you're an evangelist, when you share the gospel, people just want to respond, right? When an evangelist you know, preaches in the church, everybody's running down to the front. Why? Because it's the gift of evangelism. They, they communicate the gospel in a way that people want to respond. There's an urgency to respond. So if you have the gift of evangelism, you have a burning passion for the lost. You're always thinking about the lost. You come to church and you go, when are they going to give the altar call? When you come to church and you go, does this make sense to people who are far from God? Why? Because that's the passion of your heart as an evangelist. When an evangelist is functioning properly in the church, it creates a buzz around the gospel. It just becomes exciting. The buzz begins to spread in the community of what God is doing. Now, we need that. Now, I would say this as a church here. We desperately need the gift of the evangelist. We desperately need people that feel this stirring in their heart to, to share the gospel in creative ways. An evangelist doesn't have to stand in a stadium. There's all kinds of creative ways to share the gospel. I love 
a group of guys in Portland do something they call skate church. And it's just a, a skate park. And in order to come in, you have to get, you go into a little meeting and uh, they share the gospel with these little kids and they give their life to the Lord. What is that? It's an expression of the gift of evangelism. When the evangelist is in function in the church, it brings a cutting edge to the church. It makes the church exciting. If a church has not seen anybody come to Christ in years, it's probably a good sign. Or if there's not a regular experience of people coming to Christ, it's probably a good sign that there is not a gift of evangelism functioning in the church. Some of you have this gift. You love to tell people about Jesus. You love to tell stories of what God has done in your life. Um, you know, the rest of us, again, we go to Publix and we just shop or wherever you go. But an evangelist, you go in and you're, you know, you see somebody at the, at the uh, you know, in the bakery and you're like, you know, Jesus is the bread of life. And, and you say it and if I say that, people are like, you're weird. But if you're an evangelist and you say that, people are like, yes, what must I do to be saved, right? That's the gift of an evangelist. Uh, of an evangelist. And so if you have that gift, how do you grow in your gifting? One thing that you need to do is grow in your understanding of the gospel. You need to understand, if you're an evangelist, that the gospel is more than just a get-out-of-hell-free card, Thank the Lord that is true, but there's so much more than that. Oftentimes, evangelists become one-sided in their presentation of the gospel. And so they're great at bringing people in, but there is no maturity in the gospel. And so we need to connect with other people that have other giftings. I remember we had a, uh, a youth pastor when I was in high school who was a great evangelist and just drew in hundreds and hundreds of kids but after they had heard his same message, you know, about three or four times, they're like, this is awesome. I love Jesus. That's all there is to it. Why? Because they didn't understand there was more to following Jesus. It was a minimization of the gospel. And so if you have the gift of evangelism, you need to, to uh, study and grow in your understanding of the gospel. You need to find an outlet that fits your style. And you also need to plug into the church. Again, the church is the place where our gifts find, uh, find context with people that have other gifts. If you're great at evangelism, connect with the church so that you don't have to be the person that does it all. And lastly, on this gift of evangelism, if you don't have the gift of evangelism, that doesn't mean that you are not called to share the gospel. All right? Every one of us is called to share the gospel. And so, we're all called, the Bible says that, we're, that we are to do the work of an evangelist, whether you have this gift or not. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. So we've talked about the apostle, we've talked about the evangelist. I want to quickly talk about the gift of pastor, the gift of a pastor. What is the gift of a pastor? The gift of a pastor is a wonderful, wonderful gift. It's a gift that brings care and concern to the body. It's a gift that looks out for people and draws people in. In fact, the, the root word for the gift pastor is better translated shepherd. And, and a person that has the gift of pastor has a shepherd's heart, caring for people, looking after people, drawing people in. 
It's a special ability given to some to exercise care and concern for members of a group so as to encourage them in their walk with Jesus through modeling maturity, protecting, and teaching in truth. Ultimately, the gift of pastor is the primary edge of discipleship in the church. It's, it's, it will be expressed through making disciples. How do you know if you have the gift of pastoring? You have a high love for people. You have a high love. Again, we're all called to love people, but some of you, this just flows out of you. You know, we all, some of you, when you hug someone, it's like obligation. Some of you, when you hug, you hold it a little too long, right? Anybody ever hug somebody like that? may be a pastor. I don't know. Maybe just a weird creeper, but it may be a pastor, okay? Because you care for people. You love people. If you have the gift of pastoring, you see the one. You, an evangelist sees the masses, but, but a pastor sees the one. You want to know each one, every person's name. You want to know their birthdays. You want to care for them. When a pastor is functioning in the church, it brings this atmosphere of family into the church. That this is not just an event that you show up at, but it's a community that we are caring for one another, growing together as a community of heaven on earth. That's the gift of pastoring. You, you, oftentimes, if you have the gift of pastoring, you're going to care for a smaller group of people. Again, a, an evangelist will, will look for the masses of people, but a pastor cares for a, a smaller group of people. That's why in the church, it's important that we have groups of pastors. Here, that would really take place um, through our connect groups. That's a great expression of the gift of pastoring. In this room today, even at the size that we are right now, I cannot know every person in this room. I can't care for every person in this room. If you're sick in the hospital, I can't visit every person in this room. If you have a baby, Jen and I can't bring food to every person in this room, but we can create uh, especially with babies, that'd be a full-time job in this church is bringing food to babies but, uh, or to families. But, but there is a, a, a structure of care for one another. And that's why it's so important to be in a connect group where people know you, that if you're missing, people notice, right? Sometimes people, uh, you know, leave church and they say, well, no one noticed. And it's like, well, you made it easy, Right? I'm sorry, but like you were content to be a face in the crowd, to not be known by anyone, right? The gift of pastor is all about gathering people in, caring for people, knowing people. And so if you have the gift of pastoring, prioritize time with people. Make it a priority. There's a great book, I believe it was by Eugene Peterson, called The Contemplative Pastor. One of the things that stuck out to me in that is how in today's day and age, we have lost the art of moving through our day slowly and with intentionality. We're all about productivity, and, and there certainly is the place for that, but a pastor is taking the time to care for people, to notice people, 
to, to get into the lives of people, just to linger in conversation. I, I just have to say how thankful I am for Nate and Steph along with so many other people. But Nate and Steph do a fantastic job of just caring for people, don't they? Looking out for people. And that's the heart of a pastor is to, to know people. Eugene Peterson in that book, he says that we have ascribed to the appointment calendar the authority that was once given to the Scripture. Selah. Test that out sometime. Tell somebody you can't do something because the Bible says you can't do it or because the Bible says you have to take a Sabbath or some other thing, and they'll be like, come on, come on. Tell them you've got an appointment. That just settles it right there, right? It's the authority of the calendar. And a pastor understands. I like that. I think that's pretty interesting. But a pastor understands that he or she has to take time with people, to be with people. If, you're, if you have this gift, take responsibility for a group. Build a group. Gather a group. Open your home. Start a connect group. Another great expression of this is in our kids' ministry. You know, that's not just daycare, that's children's church. That's really about discipling and caring for the little ones that are so important to Jesus. And so if you have this gift of pastoring, that's a great opportunity. In fact, we have a, a one kids team meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. If you'd like to join, if you have the gift of pastoring, come on out to it. But... That's a great expression of caring for people, loving people. If you have the gift of pastoring, welcome people in. The Connections team here at church is a great place to do that. Begin dis discipling people. All of us are called to disciple, but if you are a pastor, if you have that call, if you have that gifting in your life, begin to look for people that you can gather in so that you can impart into them, that you can, that, that you can encourage them and see them grow up in the Lord. Every single one of us, we are called to do that in, in one form or another. And I'll, I'll get to this quickly as we close. Worship team, you guys can come back up. If you have this gift, what's a danger if you have this gift? Again, I know this is a little technical today. Maybe it doesn't feel very inspirational. Maybe it feels like a church mechanics class, but ultimately it's because God wants to release these gifts in the body. He wants to give these gifts to the body. So if you have the gift of pastoring, a danger is this, that you can begin to heed the voice of people over the voice of God. Do you remember Aaron? When Moses came down from the mountain, Aaron had made a, a, an altar, or he, he had made an idol out of the, the, a, a golden calf, and he said, the people wanted it. A danger for those with a pastoral gift is sometimes they can become so in tune with the voice of people that they are constantly responding to people over the voice of God. And so we have to cultivate a voice that's listening to Jesus, that we're serving not just the people, but we're serving under the, the, the oversight, the authority of the good shepherd, Jesus. Another danger is just exhaustion through responding to needs. That's, again, why it's so important that we're connected in the church because every single one of us is called to be a part of the body. And lastly, a danger is that we can just become so consumed with, uh, with, with our area that we lose sight of the bigger picture, that we lose sight of what God is ultimately wanting to do. 
But all of us, regardless of whether we're a pastor or not, we are called to care for one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Care for one another. I believe God wants to release these gifts into our church. The gift of apostleship. That's seeing new territory. That's seeing new vision that's expanding into new places, the gift of evangelism that is, that is drawing people in, that is gathering in people who are far from God, the gift of pastoring that cares for one another. Here's what I want you to know in closing today is ultimately these are not like optional add-ons to the church. Ultimately, the gift of apostleship, the gift of the evangelist, and the gift of the pastor is the very personality of Jesus manifesting in the church. And God wants to release his personality by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. I want to ask you, if you would, just to stand to your feet. We're going to take just a moment as we prepare to dismiss today. I want to ask our prayer team to come forward on both sides. We just want to be open to the Holy Spirit today. Open to what he may want to do. The reason we're talking about these things is not just so that you know about them, but because as we grow in our understanding, we'll grow in our experience. And God wants us to grow into what he said, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I want to pray that God would release these gifts in the body. And then if you feel that you have one of these gifts, just like we've always done, I want to invite you to come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to believe that God would do something supernatural today, that there would be an impartation of a gift into your heart. And so I want to, I'm going to pray, and, and as I pray, we're going to sing this song. We're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift, the, the apostolic gift. God, we thank you for the gift of an evangelist. We thank you, God, for the gift of a pastor. And Lord, we pray right now that you would release these gifts into this body, God. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that you have ascended on high. Thank you today, Jesus, that you are the head of the church, that you are building your church, that you are expanding your kingdom throughout the world. And Lord, we pray that here in this place, God, among us as a community, that your kingdom would come. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Lord, more than my words, more than our own intellect, Father, we pray, God, that you would move among us by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come, we pray. Manifest these gifts within the church. Manifest the apostolic gift. If you feel that you have one of those gifts or maybe one of the other gifts that we have been talking about. I want to invite you just to get out right now from where you're at and just come forward and we want to pray for you. Father, we pray for that apostolic gift to be released in the body, God. We pray, Father, for the gift of an evangelist. God, raise up the gift of evangelists within our body. God, those that maybe feel that they are Lord, not equipped to preach the gospel, not equipped to share the gospel. Father, I pray that you would overcome fear Overcome every resistance, I pray in Jesus' name. God, release the gift of pastoring within this body. Lord, those that are called to shepherd and to care and to lead and to feed, God, 
I pray, Father, that you'd begin to release that gift in this body. Father, right now we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and manifest the nature of Jesus among us. Let us be a Jesus colony. Let us be a Jesus community, I pray. Father, let us be a taste of heaven on earth, I pray. We thank you.